welcome to A Court of Three Strands, the Palatine Institute's podcast on creating Christian culture. Through this show, we hope to provide a resource of education and encouragement for students, parents, and leaders about the revival of Christian values in our community. On A Court of Three Strands, we'll focus on the three foundational strands that make a strong, flourishing Christian culture, the church, the family, and education. We desire to order these things around God's word to advance Christ's kingdom and so glorify him and bless our community. My name is Ron Young, former headmaster at Providence Academy and founder of the Palatine Institute. And I'm Allison Tuttle, a wife and mother and the director of the Palatine Institute. Through our conversations, we look forward to sharing fellowship, knowledge, and practical wisdom for his glory here on A Court of Three Strands podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. To my audience, just so you know, though we're we're not Luddites in the classical Christian world. Well, some of us would like to be, but we're not Luddites. Um, we do talk to our kids about things like AI, and and we talk about it, and we use it as a tool, and you know how. But yeah. but with with um with with common sense and logic and those types of things and, and the moral compass that we have from God and his word. So this has been the trajectory of America. And in our lifetimes, we were just talking, uh, David and I, we're the same age. Um, we're just above the mid fifties. Um, and you know, to, to live through seeing all this change, right. In my audience, they've heard me tell stories. Like I lived in a not so great neighborhood in California, very rough around the edges, but, um, you know, when I was young, if, if you used the Lord's name in vain, you'd get in trouble. If, uh, you know, we would sing Christmas carols for Christmas and we'd have Christmas break and we'd have Easter break. There's no such thing as spring break or Easter break. There are still blue laws around when I was a kid. And today it's an amazing transformation of uh, being a, um, a very post-Christian world that our kids are being brought up in unless we're doing something. Yeah. So David, well, and it's important that we recognize that's not just in the superficials, which, you know, we can see clearly if you're our age, it's much deeper in the soul and that's where the danger lies. Yes. It's an interesting thing too, is, um, the therapeutic model also that's out there. Um, I guess, cause there's no good and evil and there's nothing to repent of. There's just therapy, right? (laughs) That, um, the further in we go with this um, paideia in our culture, the more everything's falling apart. Families are falling apart. Suicide rates are skyrocketing. Um, no one's happy. You know, it's uh, the hopelessness of a generation that you see. And we've done this to ourselves as Americans. We've done this to ourselves. It was no outside enemy putting pressure on us. We just gave up the ship and this is what's happened. What's the way out? Well, so, so here's the irony. The uh, Greeks, as I told a minute, uh, said a minute ago, were looking for an antidote to the old world order of empires and kings and oppression, true oppression, yeah, the yeah. modern contact. 
And so they they come up with the Republic as an idea. And of course, the Romans famously built a Republic and then it took a few hundred years before we came back to that. But the Christian Paideia established a new world order. It wasn't George Bush. It was (laughs) uh, the um, Christianity's new order was that Christ was the king and that any ruler uh, served under Christ the king. And we lived with that well, whether it was in a republic or whether it was in a uh, monarchy or whatever for a couple thousand years. Then the progressives come along and say, we're going to strip that out and make the individual the God in the center. The problem with that is it's ungovernable. Yes, it is. What you end up with is chaos. You end up with rioting in the streets. You end up with everything we're seeing. It's all predictable. Yeah. So just to interject here, this is the part that drives me batty. Like, who would have guessed this would be the result? Everybody, everybody knows this is what's going to happen. And yet we're still doing it. Well, and so the cynic in me looks at it and goes, maybe the progressives weren't as dumb as we think they were. Maybe they knew that in order to really create a world order that would place Christianity, they had to completely bankrupt the world order that exists. So what's their target? The West. Anything Western is their target. And that's interesting because if you want to look at pure justice, there are a lot of other civilizations that exist out there that are much less just than the West. And there's nobody who can really define one that's better than the West. Right. Uh, any civilization. Yep. But yet they want to deconstruct the civilization, the whole function of the Frankfurt School, which we talk about in the book. Yep. But now the opportunity exists to reconstruct a third order. If the first order was the power of the despot or the tyrant, and the second order was the power of Christ. The third order that we're coming into is this order of the world driven by globalism. Yeah. Where a bureaucratic menagerie of nameless and faceless individuals yes. uh, drive everything yeah. from science to government to humanities to social constructs. Everything's being driven by this machine that is undefinable because it's dispersed and it's global right and it's one you know it's a one world kind of order all tied to bureaucratic structure oh. i can't think of anything scarier it is very scary it would be worse than having a tyrant yes because at least you know who that is yes and is it c.s lewis that talks about the the worst kind of tyrant is one who thinks they're doing it for your good. Right. Because Righteous indignation. They will the never, tyrant. they'll never tire of doing good. Mm-hmm. So they'll keep, at least the evil tyrant will take a break from his evil, but the good tyrant will not cease because they think they're doing good, even well, though they're hurting everyone. And what's worse, there is no higher affection than the success of their plan. Yeah. So that means makes every other affection or every other virtue subservient to it. Yes. So you want to cheat on elections. You want to um, start uh, killing people. You want to whatever you want to do. Yeah. Khmer Rouge in Cambodia. You see this over and over again. When you have righteous indignation at your back and you feel like you're doing right. Yes. Killing millions of people. Yes. Seems like all virtue. for justice. You know, that's and by any means necessary. Right. For justice, yeah, it's it is um, 
is crazy. I, I remembered, uh, so I went to seminary in the 1990s and reading a lot on postmodernism and reading all, all the, and all these people and just thinking, these people are horrible. Like, why would people take this seriously? Like, surely this is just an intellectual exercise I'm doing in the academy. This can't be real. And here we are downstream. And it's like, this is, it's just horrible. When you run from God, the only place to run is yeah. under the arms of evil. Yeah. And that's what our society when there's no, has been doing. When there's no truth, there's only power. Yep. And what's the purpose of power? Well, they say it's for justice, but they don't ask the question, who's justice? When you look at them and go, why would you advocate for that? Whether it's nihilism or whatever it is, yeah. it always comes back to the same thing if you get down to the root. They hate God. Yes. They're, they will it's, flee from God at all costs. And if they can lead, they will flee into the arms of abject evil yes. in the name of good so that they can flee God. And that's where we are in, in this um, society that we're in right now. Demonic. So one of the, one of the things that I, I feel is a, has been a contribution to where we're at in our world is um, the church in America has, has taken a few, I would say bad turns, right? Uh, I think the church in America at one point, you might say, I think that when Israel became a nation in 1948, uh, this dispensational idea that the world's supposed to end badly and then we're just going to be raptured out, you know, whatever. And the idea became that the church was either, the only good thing to do is to go on the mission field um, and then, um, as uh, Francis Schaeffer put it, um, pursue personal peace and affluence. Um, and so you, you have this fear of the world or, or I'm sorry, so, some of it's just a use of the world. I'm going to use the world to get what I need for my own personal peace and prosperity and, and not worry about the everything else. Cause it's just supposed to go bad. And then, um, you know, why, why polish brass on a sinking ship? And so here we are and just think of, think there's a battle, a spiritual battle going on. And here we go. Roe v. Wade just got overturned, right? We were at the same ACCS convention when I think Dr. George Grant came up and just announced it. And, and we broke out in song, a hymn, you know, it was a praise for this amazing thing. And I asked the question, how come there weren't any evangelical reform Christians on the Supreme Court. Yeah. None. Right. None to be seen. Yep. And um, it is, uh, and, it, and it's a part because there's been a retreat. And one of the things that I've had people, I don't want to say they've accused me or us as classical Christian educators, um, but have um, maybe thought and that having a private Christian school is a way of retreating from the world. And I do, I do get parents, like they think this is a safe place for their, mm -hmm. their kids. And what I want to assure everyone is this. I think we see ourselves as training armies. Like this idea of a classical Christian worldview that's, and, and making virtuous people is that part of that virtue, part of that understanding of the times and who they are and what God has done and what God's calling them to do is um, 
is they're going to become warriors in God's hands in a, um, in leading in our world and, and carrying on the, the good fight. Like it is, um, our graduates are my, like, they make me hopeful when I, when I see our graduates leave here and they, uh, you know, they go out to Madison and they think, oh, I'm kind of this nerdy, you know, guy who went to this tiny school out in Green Bay and they're at UW-Madison and they're like a leader. Like within a, within weeks of them arriving on campus, they're just, people follow them because there's something different about them. They have a, they, they have a way of, of being able to carry themselves and be able to, able to speak and to be, it's it just, it's an amazing thing. It, and, um, and I have five kids and four of them have already graduated and moved on in that good soil report. And I'm, I'm going to ask you to talk a little bit about that. Um, I found it to be exactly true in my own kids. And it's just this, there is, there's tremendous amount of hope coming from this movement. So I, I just brought up good soil. Yeah. Do you want to you want to talk about that? Well, I'll I'll tie it in. Um, oddly, to what you were saying. Um, oddly, <laughs> yes. So of course, what you were referring to is what Mark Knoll called the scandal of the America of the evangelical mind. Yeah, that's right? a nicer way of me calling out a particular eschatology, which I apologize if you're on my audience. Yes, but that, so the scandal of the evangelical mind was uh, his w- well trod book back in the nineties. Uh, yeah, nineties. Um, after he wrote that, he left Wheaton, I believe it was after, it was right in that time frame. He left Wheaton and went to Notre Dame. Uh, and I don't know his reasons, but I suspect some of it was because there's a lot of Catholic Supreme Court justices. Yes. They didn't lose the worldview that the evangelicals lost. Yes. Uh, they, if you look at scripture, one of the, it's proved that we're not Luddites. You yes. can actually search the gospels on Bible Gateway or whatever you want and search for two words. Search the the gospels, the five, four gospels, for the word gospel, and then search it for the word kingdom. And you'll notice about a 10 to one reference, uh, depending on which one you're searching, that the word kingdom comes up 10 times more frequently than gospel. Yeah. In fact, often it's the gospel of the kingdom yeah. is what it's talking about. Yeah. And the reason that relates to your point is that Jesus didn't come to save your individual soul yeah. exclusively. Yeah. He came to establish a kingdom. Yeah. And in that kingdom, everything is under submission yes. to God, yes. to Jesus Christ. And all the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And that's where classical Christian education is different because it doesn't stop at the Bible class or at the, um, or at the chapel. Yeah. It studies math and science and uh, what they call social studies. We call it history, literature, philosophy, theology, all of it as though Jesus Christ is king. Yes. Not as though Jesus Christ personally saved us, but yes. even though he did. He did. Yeah. But as though he's actually the king. Yes. And that these things have a truth and a falsehood to them that we can search for and we can find in truth. So that's where the Good Soil Study, here's my connection. So the Good Soil Study was conducted by the University of Notre Dame. um, And uh, it studied the life outcomes of 20, uh, 20, I think it was 22-year-olds to 44-year-olds. So those people have graduated from a variety of schools. There were five that they uh, initially surveyed, the public schools, um, preparatory schools, so like uh, 
private preparatory schools, Catholic, Roman Catholic schools, evangelical Christian school, homeschools. So those were the original five segments. And then we added on uh, and did the research statistically, ballot research in uh, with the uh, graduates of Association of Classical Christian Schools. So basically classically educated kids. And if you go to our website, classicalchristian.org, or um, you can go to uh, classicaldifference.com, either one, you can find the Good Soil Study, and it will show you charts that will show these differences. But I'll, I'll just say briefly, there are market differences in areas way beyond academics, although they're very academically impressive, or even Christianity, where they're much more likely to attend church, much more likely to um, believe Christian things like that God is sovereign over all yeah. things, that, that sort of thing. But that their influence in the world is exceptionally higher than any of the others, which is uh, measured by a number of characteristics we asked about. And uh, that their, you know, their leadership is really one of the things that surprised us. We didn't look for those things. We were asked by the donor who gave us some money to do this, to look for Christian outcomes, like were they still attending church and married and that sort of thing. Yeah. But what we found out because the survey instrument was broad and it was provided not by the ACCS, but by this other foundation who worked with, um, with uh, Notre Dame, we found this attribute oddly that they're highly influential and highly independently minded. Yeah. Uh, so like one of the statistics in it that I found interesting, we had to put some of this together to figure it out. But whenever we saw something that was really different than the other schools in the survey, we looked at it to figure out why. And one of them was that ACCS graduates are the most likely by a long shot of having friends that are homosexual. Yeah. But they're the least likely by a long shot of accepting homosexual marriage. Yes. So... Their independence of mind, all of us know that if we have friends who are a particular thing, we're less likely to be critical of them. Yeah. But that's not true of classically educated right. kids. Right. They can hold both to be true, that they have friends yeah. who believe this way and that they know it's wrong. Let me tell you a quick, really quick story about one of my sons. And I'll, Anyway, I had a son who went to, uh, was going to do a semester-long boarding school called Conserve, which is no longer working anymore. But anyway, it was a amazing foundation, beautiful campus, and it was for a lot of outdoor types of things. And and they, they have to remind everyone that it they're they believe in conservation, not not environmentalism. Uh, they they'd have like these sixty students who would come and it would be uh, forty the the headmaster there would tell me it was, it was usually forty women or girls who were there to save the world, and then twenty guys who like being outside, hunting and things. Anyways, my my fr- my son goes, and the first day of class is the environmental science. They're talking about um, gender as um, a human construct and weird things. And my son said something like, "You know, well, the Bible says there's God made man and male and females. So there's two. There's two genders." And anyway. After the class got ended, and by the way, his professor, who he ended up, or teacher, who he really liked, was one of his favorite, was was homosexual. He's leaving class, and he says there was a, a non-binary woman or something, and a and a lesbian there to attack him as he as he left the, and they started just yelling at him or whatever, and he just listened, 
And then he started asking him questions. I started responding to his questions instead of yelling. And then he said, hey, do you have any time? We can go down and have a conversation and you know, grab something to drink. And, and they said, okay. And so they sat for another 45 minutes, just him ta- asking questions, listening. And at the end, they said, well, you know, we, we disagree with your position, but we respect you. And, you know, that's good. And, you know, and he said, all right. And, and then one of them said they had never, ever had a Christian ask, uh, talk to them in a conversation. And that was the first time. Right. And, and my son was just, well, you know, it's good. To- well, and, and, you know, part of that is probably because when he was in school here. Yeah here at Providence where we're recording this, he read a lot of non-Christian books. Absolutely. And he in, he he had to wrestle in his soul and in his mind with what they were saying and asking, is it true? Yeah. And so he got comfortable with it because that's, I mean, that's, ironically, those same evangelicals that we were talking about who, um, you know, when I'm sure as the head of school here, you got this question a lot, I know I did, uh, why do you read these pagan books? Yeah, I mean, what's the what's the value in these pagan Greek books or these pagan Roman books or these pagan European yeah. books or whatever? Yeah, it's because they actually can engage. Yes, with those two gals yeah. or whatever guy gal whatever, whatever. Um, at a camp. Yeah, and ask questions that aren't loaded. Yeah, that are actually legitimate questions. Yeah. And then interact with the answers. Yeah. And that's what classical education does. Yes, it does. And it's great too, because we, you know, we get, um, one of the disappointing things that I've seen in the American Christianity is, um, when confronted about other things, worldviews, philosophies, the general thing that the church does is either ignores it completely or it sets up a straw man and doesn't actually address the argument. Yep. And they tear it down with some witty thing on a, and make it into a movie um, that, you know, there's no philosophy professor on any campus who's going to answer like that. Like they've actually read these books. They, they can argue with you. Like <laughs> you're an 18 year old kid. You're not going to tear down the philosophy professor or they just, they just laugh at it and, and, and do, do it. And what, what I've liked about Providence and classical Christian schooling is well, we're going to engage with the actual argument. We, we're not going to set up a straw man. We're going to we're going to put up the argument. This is what they're saying. This this is what um, and then and then this this is what other people have said. And and it just it helps them to engage and not be afraid. And I think that's that's the thing that the church has done is they they set up kids to be afraid right. of the world. Yeah, and so they withdraw. So you, you told a story on your son, I'll tell one on mine. So my, one of my sons is attending a secular university right now, state college. And, um, I had him load up his schedule so he could drop the woke professors when he ran across them. Yeah. And, um, he's staying at an Eastern Civ class. And so he came home one day and was Googling around and looking at books and stuff. And, uh, apparently the professor had come up with some civilization that, uh, She'd ex- anyway, the long and short of it is she made stuff up. It wasn't true. Uh, um, yeah. And so I said, well, hey, there, there's your class to drop. And he goes, no, no, she, she teaches really well on the stuff she knows, the stuff she sticks to. It's this woke stuff. You know, I'll just filter that out. 
right? Yeah. So he wanted to learn about China. It was a class on the East. Yeah. He wanted to learn about China. He wanted to learn about Thailand. He wanted to learn these things. And there was sort of a core of academia that was there that he could sift through. Yeah. But he just checks everything she says yeah. because it's the way he learns because yeah. he went to a classical Christian school and to watch, you know, he's held that class and he continues in that class and he enjoys the professor, even yeah. though the professor's woke. Yeah. Because he can filter. Yes. Yeah. And it's a great thing. And you, you also understand that because it is a Christian school that um, our battle's not with flesh and blood. Yeah. Right? It's a spiritual battle. And those battles are are happening in the in ideas, yes, and and minds, and so we have to get, we have to train our kids to be able to do that. And and to be honest with you, and just to you as our audience, as adults, as parents, we also have to be able to do that for the sake of our kids and the and future generations. So I'd encourage you to keep listening, but um, engage, um, learn. If if you're stuck with it, just send me an email get you i know in green bay we have a classical book club that we we meet uh, monthly we're doing divine comedy right now and, but there's ways in which you can engage in these things uh at church and you know through palatine institute what would have you we're going to be starting one down in the fox valley next year um but email me and we can we can figure out a way that we help you um in all these things so david what so with all this good stuff like the acc has grown like mad how many schools are there in the ACCS? We're up to about 530 right now, which is about 200 more than we had oh, four years ago, three years ago. So it's crazy. It is. I just remembered one time going to a conference and looking and going, my goodness, like how many people were at the ACCS conference um, compared to like the first few years I, I oh, yeah. on. It just, it's just crazy just how big it's getting. It's, it's awesome. And it, plenty of room. So if you're thinking of starting a classical Christian school, let us know. What are some of the challenges? Any challenges that you're seeing? Well, you know, th th that's a great point. Um, the challenge is the growth. Um, one of the things that any movement, you know, we, we grew and, you know, you and I have been in this a long time together. As the, as the movement grew, we brought people in and sort of taught them the ropes one-on-one. -on -one in the conference doing these sorts of things. Now we're getting to the point where it's difficult to do all of that one-on-one. -on -one. So we're having to build systems and training programs to bring people up to speed. So one of the things, uh, we've shifted our funding uh, at ACCS, we have pretty limited funding, but we're shifting it away from promoting classical Christian education because we're getting so much growth that we don't really feel like we can spend the money there. We're putting it into how to start classical Christian schools, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I know that's a passion in your heart as well. So that's one of the areas we're focused on is let's get these started right and let's get them, um, you know, another thing that can happen is that as soon as a movement hits a certain point, it becomes all things to all men. Yeah. Um, every, everybody, um, wants in on the game because classical Christian sells. So they'll hang a shingle up in front of their building and say, we're a classical Christian school, but are they really? Right. And so we're trying to build, build the infrastructure now to support an actual practice, a wide implementation of it. That's great. I have encountered that too with people who 
they they say they're cla- a classical Christian school, and then I ask about it, and it's you know it's because they have like a great book segment of their curriculum, right. and that's not a classical Christian school, but you know, yes, thanks for trying, you know. <laughs> yeah, so I've been to one or two that don't don't think they don't they they don't teach Latin or Greek, and. Yeah, I know that may sound like it's insignificant, but no, it's not. When you come down, what would we start this conversation with? Right, words—the Orwellian uh, idea of words. If we don't know the roots, and if we don't understand Latin and Greek, it'll be very hard to understand philosophy and the principles of yeah. Christian Christianity, which is, of course, largely conveyed in a book in Greek. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. Well, I'm I'm just looking at the time, and we're probably gonna have to end here yep david i really appreciate you being here and uh, taking the time to be with us and yeah long live the accs well thank you for your work as i said off off mic when we came in and i have a tremendous appreciation for gentlemen like you who have been in the trenches for a long time and continue to be faithful so thank you for your work here well you're welcome all right till next time 